Welcome to Briarwood Football Classics. I'm Matthew Forster. I'm the head coach of Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. This season is the 50th season of Briarwood Football, and we're publishing this podcast to remember some great games and moments from the past. And these are Briarwood Football Classics. On today's BCS Classics podcast, we're actually going back to uh, the fall seasons, 2014, primarily now 2015, a uh, really unusual time in, in Briarwood history, and we'll be talking about that. But I'm here with just a guy that I admire so much, love his family, R.J. Jennings. R.J., thanks for joining the podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. You know, here you are. You guys uh, are a really talented class. I remember you, y'all, you as freshmen, you know, I think y'all maybe just lost to Vestavia, had been together, a really close group of, of players. You're coming into your junior year, and, and we redo the classifications in Alabama every two years. And we find out that for the first time ever, uh, Barwood is going to be going into 6A competition. And so the fall of 2014, your junior year, the fall of 2015, your senior year, now you're facing an unknown uh, and all those things that come to light, you know, the playoff streak and all that. So I know it's been a, a number of years since then, but do you remember how you initially kind of received the word and what was some of the initial uh, talk among you guys? I remember the day when, 7A was being announced there's going to be seven classifications, and we just knew we are going to stay 5A, and we were excited because we were like, oh, that just knocks out some of the competition because there was just no shot we were going to be bumped up to 6A. But we are sitting at lunch in the cafeteria, and I remember Coach Forrester coming and sitting at our table and giving us the news that we were in 6A and told us our region. And at first, we were like, oh, goodness, like, what are we going to do about that? That's we're going to be playing bigger teams, but as soon as we thought it through, we saw an opportunity in it to be the first 6A Broward team to make the playoffs. So we just knew we had to work harder. We we're going to be playing bigger, faster guys and bigger schools. So we took it as a challenge and ended up succeeding and making the playoffs the next two years. So it was good experience and big challenge. So let me ask you this, you know, any football team, there's, information or noise you know i think about you got coaches are saying things to you right and then you guys have then what i call your inner team talk those moments in the locker room where it's just your team teammates but then there's this outside noise you know there's a parent perspective there's a public perspective there's a student fan perspective were those all the same messages or were you hearing different types of messages and at that point how did you decide who to listen to? I think looking back, probably the best perspective was to look at the coach's perspective because they're around around you the most. They have a good adult perspective and they're at practice with you every day. And they're the ones who are actually talking to the officials, making decisions and everything. And they it may not seem like it all the time at the time, but they are in the best interest of the team and making you a better person and growing you to be a better man. The parents could think their opinion is better and they obviously every parent thinks their kids or the or their players their son is gonna have be on the best team and they'll make excuses for you and when you're going up against bigger competition and yeah and obviously you know the parents they they love you that there's no sin in that there's right yeah they're they're there for you 
But uh, I'm interested primarily what you remember, even the player, the player talk. Do you have to kind of rally together in terms of trying to decide which voices to hear? And, and how do you how do you find some type of, you know, team messaging that kind of carries you guys through what was week to week really a challenge? Obviously, there's going to be a couple bad apples that will try to bring the group down. But I think sinking into the leadership and the ones positive and just no matter what's going on, focusing on getting better every week. And then when there is bad talk and other players start trying to, you know, blame each other or, or start to point fingers, that's, that's when you get in trouble. So you just want to focus on the positives and always bring that and like realize your mistakes, but also talk with each other with the intent of bringing someone down. It's just to bring each other up just uh, with instructive or constructive criticism is the way to build each other up. And it's just, that helps you get closer if you're able to hold each other accountable, but do it in a loving way. So your first year to experience this was your junior year. Um, you guys, uh, you know, end up four and seven. Uh, you do make the playoffs. You know, we talk a little bit about there's a difference in success and achievement. You may have not wanted to achieve everything, but, you know, a lot of it depends on how you define success. Are there any things that stand out from your mind from that junior year in, in, in uh, as you think about it? A couple of years before us, there was big success and winning records. So once we faced adversity, it was kind of also it was humbling experience because we had grown up winning all these games and through junior high and freshman year, we had won all of our games, hadn't lost a lot. And then having to go into that, it was a time where we had to figure out how to get closer and figure it out to pull some wins together. But definitely a tough time to, to go through and yeah. a, a big jump. And you had some great wins. You know, I look back, I, I, I really count that Pelham win. I think that's when the, the, we had the long delay. I don't think we ended the oh, game yeah. after like midnight, but that was a, a big win. You guys uh, beat Pelham at home 31-19. But at the end of the season, you know, you're playing one of the best Madison Academy teams I've ever seen and carry on Johnson and crew. And and then our first round playoff at Florence, I mean, they yep. walked out and looked like a college team. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, I think they dressed uh, 110, 110 people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and yet, uh, were you learning something about competition during that time? Were you, were you growing individually? Uh, tell me some, some thoughts going through, cause, cause those things now are week to week. You don't know what to expect, but, uh, just some thoughts about that, about where that growth comes from, uh, even in adversity. I was actually pretty proud of the way we, we went up to Florence and we, they were the biggest school in 6A and we had at the beginning of the year we were facing adversity and kind of playing the blame game but towards the end we started to pull it together and in the first half of that game we actually put up a really good fight they started I think it ended up 34-17 if I remember correctly so and we're projected to lose like 50 to zero but those guys had I think 20 something people sign on that team alone so just us going in there fearless, all odds against us, backs against the wall. We we fought till the end and gave it all we had. And I think that's a lesson that goes into now that I'm in the real world, just into life. You're not always going to have favor against you and you're going to have tough times that you have to face and just work through difficulties. So it was definitely a life lesson and just to 
not be scared of anything and to go into everything 100% and give it all you have and leave it all on the field. RJ, I'm so glad you remember it that way because that's exactly how I remember it. I, you know, the the last two games, even though they were losses, when we look back, the, the competitive fire uh, and the team unity that you guys played with was something to be admired. And, and the average casual looker on the outside sees the scores and they just judge it on W's and L's. But uh, I came out of that last game just so proud of what y'all had accomplished in the midst of adversity. So that takes us now, take us through the off season kind of in your thoughts now coming into the senior year, second year in 6A and just some of the way you, you guys rallied together. And listen, you guys had great players on that team. I mean, Car Carter Bankston, and, you know, Jake Morris, you and Ethan Housel was a junior that year, but some really good players, Luke Dyson's on that team, Luther Ward, Ross Thompson. I mean, some of the best men you'll ever be around. So get us uh, going into your senior year. We definitely weren't happy with the season before and we didn't want it to happen again. We wanted to just prove our worth in 6A and just give it the best we had. So we went into that off season. I remember working really hard and I know personally I had aspirations to play at the next level too and there are other guys too. So just pushing each other every day with Coach Carroll in the weight room. I remember always challenge each other on our, our maxes. And then the other thing I remember vividly is when we would go out to the track and y'all would time us on our 40s and we would all make it a competition, see who could get the fastest one. So I think the biggest thing was being competitive with each other to mm. then push each other to be competitive coming with the coming season. So just friendly competition and pushing each other every day to improve just a little bit. So it all culminates in something the Broward team had, had never done. So y'all keep the playoff streak alive those two years in 6A. You're having to deal with something that a lot of Broward teams haven't had to deal with. And that's just the adversity of the outside noise telling you that you're not any good. You're not like the Broward teams of old and so forth. Uh, but then the payoff is uh, you win the first round playoff game, which is the first 6A playoff win in school history. So let's uh and and the and the tape we're gonna share when we publish your part part of this broadcast is the is is that win, the Fort Payne win at Fort Payne, who was really doing well. Um y'all are the number four seed, I think mm -hmm. traveling to the number one. So yeah. talk us a little bit because that was a, a really thrilling, thrilling win and a great game. Okay, yep. I remember that vividly. So I remember just watching film and looking at them and Coach Forster, since I was on the defense, was telling us that we were the better team, even though they were the one seed and we were the four seed. And it's crazy because uh so Fort Payne's up north and in Shelby County, I remember the Shelby County reporter was writing the report on who what Shelby County teams made the playoffs and they said Briarwood made a good push at the end to qualify for the playoffs but going up north to Fort Payne surely their season will end this week I remember so, talking about that in the locker room saying because we went into that game confident we didn't really look at ourselves as up underdog because we just we had a tough schedule we lost a bunch of close games and uh we had we thought we had really put something together good and I remember going to that game motivated and I just, yeah, that was probably my favorite game at Briarwood because 
it was high intensity and we played really well. So I see 22 all over the field. That's you making tackles. I mean, I, you must have had like a career night. But then you show yeah. up on the offensive reel. So you you caught the 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 peel route, the wheel route uh, coming out uh, from William Gray. So talk me through that. Was that expected? Was uh, Had you played a lot of offense? I just didn't remember that for some reason. I was in on the big Rex package. That's, we did a good bit, but I was always blocking. Never went out for a pass. And I remember that week. Coach Yancey put in, put in a play. He told me on the bus ride on the way over, he was like, first drive of the game, you're, you're getting a pass down uh, on a field route out of the backfield. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm ready. He was like, we might do it first play, but it's definitely going to be first drive. And I was like, I'm ready. So we opened up and we were moving the ball on Big Rex. And then he ended up calling that play. And that was my my first and only catch at Briarwood. So <laughs> it was well, all, it was an awesome experience. It was well, you, yeah. you did it like it was a natural. You high pointed the ball, and uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess in the end, it's like I guess you're like intercepting a, a real pass on offense because you high pointed it and uh. <laughs> it up, and everybody went nuts. But that was such a such a fun deal. I mean, when you watch the highlights from that game, I mean, just swarming. I think they had all state running back yep. that year. Uh, and then uh, also the kicking game matters. So they had a muff punt, bad snap. Uh, you guys, you know, convert all of your your special teams. So some of that was the playoff maxims, you know, sewing up the kicking game and uh, playing with incredible intensity and physicality. Awesome experience. I mean, it was tough tough for those guys, but we we definitely wanted it more. And just the feeling on the bus ride back home, that was the – the bus rides were always fun because that was where we got to talk with each other as a team and just ride and decompress after the game. But that was, yeah, that was probably the best ride home. I think all the way from Fort Payne back to Birmingham, we were cheering and then went uh, celebrated at Waffle House afterwards and got a <laughs> got a nice meal. So yeah, that was yeah, definitely my top memory from games at Briarwood. So recruiting was really changing around that time. Uh, the rise of the internet and social media was, 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 was getting going. And so guys were now kind of learning how to self market, self promote. Uh, and you did something very, I think very neat uh, in that you, truly marketed yourself to Mississippi State in particular. So. One of my big priorities was I wanted to go to a good engineering school also, and I wanted to play football. So that kind of narrowed down the schools I wanted to go to. I connected yeah. with Rocky Felker. He was a coach there at the time, and I just sent him my film, and I was, I just said uh, I would love the opportunity to come there and meet you, and I would uh, love the opportunity to be on the team. I Love Mississippi State as a school. It's a good program. And I just sent him my film and then he responded and uh, he said I could come up there and meet with the coaches and everything. So I went and met with them and they said I could uh, offer me like a preferred walk on spot on the team to where I would have a spot on the team. And uh, I got a good academic scholarship to go there. So it was because of the scholarship I got and just opportunity to play SEC football was always a dream of mine and I decided to risk it and pursue my dream and go after it. When I first got to Mississippi State, uh, coming in as a walk-on, you definitely have to prove yourself and you start at the very bottom. And I remember my first year I redshirted and that was under coach Dan Mullen, the really tough coach, just 
tough workouts, tough strength and conditioning programs. They're just coming to work every day. And in the beginning, you're going to make some plays, do some good things, and it's just going to be unnoticed. And then you repeatedly do it over and over again. And as a red shirt, you have to be that scout team guy, just give them a good look, uh, come to work every day. And eventually it's going to be noticed because going into my second year, got a new head coach, Coach Moorhead. So had to repeat the same process over again, start at the bottom because he didn't know who I was. And uh, I remember through camp, wasn't on any special teams, no depth chart. And, but I didn't get a surge every day when I was uh, on scout team for special teams. I was lighting up the ones, just going full speed every time. And then I think it was the third or fourth game of the season, we were playing Auburn, which was cool because a lot of my friends went to Auburn and that's what I was around growing up. So I actually got put on the depth chart of special teams that week and got to travel. So that was my first time. And then, um, so then my first time getting to do the dog walk and everything, do the whole travel experience. And then the week after that was the first time I actually got to play and I started on kickoff and kickoff return. So just hard work. And then I ended up lettering two years after that in my senior season, I got to play summit linebacker. I was, got to rotate in and it was, yeah, it was just hard work all the way up and just never being discouraged because it's going to be, there's going to be setbacks and just working through it every day and not getting discouraged. Of course, you're advancing on your degree as well. So you made uh, all SEC honor roll a number of times. Uh, what was your favorite play you made during the game at Mississippi State? Uh, Texas a &M. It was my first tackle. So that was a really close game. We uh, we were scoring back and forth. And I remember we had just scored and uh, we kicked it off and I drove down. And I made a tackle inside the – or it was at like the 19-yard line. So that was my first tackle in the game. So that was, that was awesome. And the defensive position you ended up playing, what did y'all call that? And then what were some of the similarities to the scheme? Were there some things about the scheme you ran at Briarwood or techniques that may have helped you? Or was it trying to learn something completely different? So, yeah, my uh, experience at Briarwood helped me a lot because a lot of guys going through the programs didn't have good football knowledge or a football, good high football IQ. And coming in, that was a big advantage I had because of all the film we watched and all the knowledge that our coaches have. Coach Forster, especially on the defensive side, poured into us. And then Coach Harmon helped me on my – because I had a – good pass rushing skills. So I was able to play. So I played Mike and Sam mm -hmm. and that gave me opportunity to when guys go down, I was able to go in it. It translated well a lot being able to play Mike and D-line at Briarwood too. So it was, yeah, it, easy transition. It didn't, I didn't really struggle much with plays, learning and uh, knowing what to do on responsibilities for each play because of the basis that Briarwood had built up for me. Any fun memories from Coach Mullen that uh, captures him or when you think back of playing for him? <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember my first year. He's a intense coach. Uh, I was in – there was some play that I ran. That I ended up – I hit the running back a little bit too hard when we were thudding, and he he ripped me up pretty good, like came across the field and was <laughs> screaming at me because I was just – I guess I was going too hard for – for that day, you know, that was my red shirt year and 
he gave me a good talking to and uh, yeah so and then just I remember our first this is a big one too just first loss to Kentucky he's or that was our first loss that season he comes in and uh yelling at us that we lost to a basketball school telling us <laughs> that <laughs> we don't lose to Kentucky in football maybe basketball but it's unacceptable that Mississippi State loses to Kentucky in football because it's yeah, so he was definitely an intense coach, but yeah, he was a good one though. <laughs> and, and then quite the transition then the coach Moorhead, his style. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Coach Moorhead, top notch guy. Yeah, I really really liked him. He so he, the one thing I liked about him especially was that at the end of the season he would get each individual player come in to his office and he would do a end of season review, which isn't very typical for head coaches of like SEC programs. And he would tell you what he thought you did good, where he thought you could improve and what he thought of you coming up next season. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't blow smoke or anything. He would be straightforward, honest, tell you what he thought about what you did. And I really valued that my senior season, a third coach, I had coach Mike Leach as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a interesting character for sure, but really good coach completely different from the other two as well. So during the spring, we did workouts at 930 at night called mid, he called them midnight maneuvers. And he said, we didn't do them at midnight because he used to do them at midnight, but the NCAA doesn't, the la, the latest they allow you to work out is 930 PM. Those are the worst, worst conditioning I've ever done for <laughs> by far station. There was eight stations. They would rank you. You'd either get a, a black uh, a gray or a pink and you wanted a black a gray means you did okay and pink means you're bad and at the end of the day he would he would go through all of the rankings and each person would get their name called out and what you got for the day so he'd be like wow. rj jennings black uh whoever gray and then whoever pink and then the next midnight maneuver you had to wear that color shirt oh so my so at the next workout if you if you did bad and you got a pink, you were wearing a, a bright highlighter pink shirt to show that you did not perform well. And like that, he said, we do stuff that nobody else does because we want to play like nobody else does. So he's just, yeah, yeah that's his kind of personality. <laughs> Man, what a great experience you had. Three different head coaches uh, on the field success. Man, that, what, a, what a blessing in your life. So, RJ, I've watched your senior class, you know, for years now beyond football, and I'm so impressed with how y'all stick together in great times and in hard times, you know. But, you know, I'll see, uh, you know, Ross Thompson get married and everybody's there, you know, and uh, pulling together. Or, you know, when Luther Ward lost his mom, um, everybody's there, uh you know, just supporting and helping. How has football formed some relationships or bonds with brothers now that has carried you guys? You know, you're married now, you're you're working, uh, life's moving on, but life's not over. You know, your best days are in front of you. So how how has that bond of football helped you guys now as you're now walking through life? Yeah, football has definitely had a huge impact on my life. Right? I got married and I counted it up before this just to so I knew um so eight of my groomsmen were former football teammates so that says a lot of the friendships I've made just just through football and how it's continued on to where I'm 25 years old now and still in contact with them and will be for a long time and it's just awesome so whenever I need something I 
have not even just those guys. Like beyond that, I have anyone I can call. And they've been there for me in tough times and to congratulate me in good times. And just the bonds are – it's different because you're – you spend the whole year, you go through blood, sweat, tears, just working together. And it's it's a different kind of bond because you, you've, you've grinded together. You've worked through tough times. You've built each other up and then corrected when they're wrong in a, in a loving way as a brother. And it's just – that's what it is. You become – it's a, it becomes a brotherhood and it's just nothing else like it. So how does Christ and learning about Christ at Briarwood and then, you know, walking with him, how does that help in those relationships? What's the important piece that your faith plays in those relationships that now help you guys manage the life? To love one another, like Christ loves us and just, we're going to mess up and, things are going to go wrong and just being there for them and still loving them no matter what. And just knowing you're there for them is a big deal. And just that knowing that there's a plan that God has for you and constantly being a reminder, because all of us are going to go through tough times. We all face different times, but having a, a brother there to, to come tell you that, Hey, God has a plan you and this is part of it and this will make you better in the end as long as you cling to him and follow him through all you do because sometimes when we face hard times it's hard to see that and just having a a brother in christ uh, who you've gone through tough times with coming and reminding you and just telling you that it's going to be all right and you're going to become a better man a better christian a better father better husband because of this is just yeah it's awesome to have the have the voice there to help you get through tough times and just a reminder. So where are you living and what are you doing? So I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm working for a, a software company that's, it's a startup. So I'm actually one of the first few employees and everything. So it's, it's a lot of work, but we're working on uh, building software for radar applications in various industries. So yeah, it's been good experience so far and but. typical of a Broward guy you outkicked your coverage on your marriage you married <laughs> up uh, so tell us a little bit about your wife man she is real impressive every time I talk with her <laughs> yes sir so she also graduated in mechanical engineering from Mississippi State and now she works at NASA so she's got the brains too but she also holds the goal record for soccer at Mississippi State and she was all SEC, uh, got nominated for NCAA Woman of the Year, won all the awards. So she's definitely the athlete as well, too. So definitely blessed that God put her in my life. And it's been an awesome uh, marriage so far. <laughs> well, if y'all do have children one day, we're not supposed to recruit, but we sure would love to coach your kids uh, <laughs> one day. Yeah, if we're, if we're in the Birmingham area, get, yeah, we'll send them there for sure. <laughs> Well, RJ, your family is a blessing. You're a blessing. That class was a blessing. We have success today and expect to compete in 6A. And, and even this week, we go up against 7A competition because you guys paved the road and how it's done. You know, you didn't wring your hands. You didn't listen to the outside doomsdayers and naysayers. And then y'all learn to value success, not on what the scoreboard says or even what the record says, but on how you approach those opportunities. So I can't thank you enough 
for being a leader, for being a warrior, for what you stand for. And this is always your home. Uh, and if we can ever be of any service, you don't hesitate to call. Yes, sir. Thank you. And I appreciate y'all, all the coaches and everything being, being there for me as well through all this time. Cause the bonds I made with y'all was awesome as well. And y'all have always been there checking in on me and every step of the way since high school. Well, you've been another blessing. This is the Briarwood Football Classics podcast. You can find this and many other podcasts on all your favorite podcast providers. Mm-hmm.